Do you want to support the podcast? Do you want to sponsor an episode or help the Pacey Tapes achieve some bigger goals? Help keep the quality high and the interviews juicy. Send me an email at thepaceytapes at gmail.com to receive more information on how you can sponsor the Pacey Tapes. Don't you just love this podcast? Do you want more from me, Show My More, and the Pacey Tapes? Join the Pacey Tapes fan club to unlock bonus content, merch, and special shoutouts. Visit thepaceytapes.com to join the fan club. Oh, hello! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I'm your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording live today from my living room under a blanket in Chicago. All right, before we get started, I have a few announcements for us. First, I am revamping the Pacey Tapes fan club to include more goodies. You'll get mini interviews, some fun snippets that didn't make the final cut. You'll get like extra bonus content, exclusive merch. You'll find out who my upcoming guests are and you'll be able to submit questions. So much fun stuff. If you want to join the Pacey Tapes fan club and get more of the Pacey Tapes, visit thepaceytapes.com. It's really easy to sign up. There's a super easy PayPal button. Visit the website. Join now. Show your love. I'll really appreciate it. Second announcement, in just a few weeks in early March, that is March 6th and 7th, I will be at Front Row Paul's Burlesque Bonanza in Indianapolis. I'm performing on the Friday night, but on the Saturday night, Front Row Paul has partnered with us here at the PC Tapes to come up with a special episode about Burlesque Bonanza. So, I will be out there on Saturday as people are lining up to get into the White Rabbit Cabaret. I'm hoping I can interview some audience members about their Bonanza experience. Hopefully I'll be able to chat with people after the show. And I'm super, super, super excited and keeping my fingers and tassels crossed that I'll be able to sit down with this awesome lineup to be able to capture more burlesque origin stories. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Last time you heard from Vivacious Miss Audacious. A note, that interview was recorded in July, and she's since moved to New Orleans. So today, you're going to hear Vivacious Miss Audacious interview her burlesque best friend, her co-star in the Luxottica Lounge Cabaret, and rock and roller, outlaw, and Indianapolis club stripper, Girl Haggard. Girl was actually one of the first performers that I heard of outside of Nashville when I was getting started. She's actually from the same small town as someone I was internet friends with like five years ago. So I've known about Girl Haggard for a while and have totally been in love, like, ever since. She's completely captivating on and off stage and just all around a good time. A note, this episode was recorded back in September. You can hear her dog barking at some points. Girl has since gone on a little burlesque break for the time being, but I find her story to be super fun, really captivating, and I really hope that you enjoy it. Thank you again to Miss A and Girl Haggard for this interview. Let's jump into it. My name is Vivacious Miss Audacious, and I am here as a correspondent of The Pasty Tapes. I'm so excited to do this very special interview style. <laughs> okay. Okay, so today I am in Indianapolis, Indiana, with known Hellcat of the Night, <laughs> member of Luxottica Lounge Cabaret, Rocket Doll Review, and also the producer of Hag's Roadhouse. She's an all-around wild child. We're here today with Girl Haggard. I like that you made me sound way more important than <laughs> I am. 
You just gave me three sentences to describe just me being a maniac who is moderately successful. (laughs) There's money in that baby. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we just got done. So we're going to dive into your life in a many myriad of ways. But I want to start out with something we just got done doing, which is the Hags Roadhouse. Okay, cool. So it's your super cool wild and Raren show that you produce a couple times a year. And just tell me about Roadhouse. Uh, Explain the vibe for listeners who have not had the pleasure of seeing your wild show that we all love so dearly. Well, the installment that we just finished if memory serves is number five. Okay. I do it twice a year in January and September. How the Roadhouse out actually got started, like the birth of the Roadhouse was actually a joke with the Rocket Doll Review. They had scheduled a date for a show on January 27th, which is my birthday. And I told them, I was like, if you do this show, you have to do it in my honor because it's my actual birthday. And I don't know... Anyone who's close to me knows I love my birthday. (laughs) I love it. So I told them that they had to. I kind of strong-armed them into it. And by strong-armed, I mean I mentioned it. And they were like, ha, 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 that's funny. Let's do it. So we did it, and it was super fun. We had always joked that I was going to open a wild bar and call it Hags's Roadhouse. So that became the name of the show. And the overall vibe is just if I was to own an actual roadhouse out in the middle of nowhere, what would you expect to see there? And the answer is always pretty much anything. I also like to tell people to really get the vibe. If you've ever watched the movie The Outsiders, Tom Waits has like a five second cameo. And after they accidentally kill Kid in the Fountain... They run to the roadhouse on the edge of town, and Tom Waits is the owner and opens the door and is like, what? <laughs> and his name is Buck Merrick. And I was like, you know what? I want to own a business where if you accidentally get in a whole heap of trouble, you run to my you run to my <laughs> door. You run to my door, and I have my jean jacket buttoned all the way to the top, and I'm like, what do you need? Come on in. So that's the overall vibe, and I know that uh, it's not very fancy, but that's what we're out here trying to do. Well, and what I love about that as well is a lot of folks who are interested in the Roadhouse mistakenly think it's just a country show, which is not true. No, it is not true at all. Like, um, I do, there is a place for country and western within it, because it's more of like an outlaw mindset. Like, it's where you can go and be yourself, it's where you can go and uh, get away with the things you've always wanted to get away with. Like, within reason. You know, be be the wild child you've always wanted to be. Like, not think about your day job. Not think about the shit you have to do tomorrow. And just let it all hang out. Like, a true rock and roll oasis is what I'm trying to create. You know, it's still new. This is only yeah. the fifth time we've done it. But I think we're getting there. Well, I love how, having been a part of each show, mm-hmm. there's been a kind of wave uh-huh. You know, and the first one did have a lot of country vibe. And my favorite thing about that was that show was the Tearaway Pants show. Oh, yeah. Tearaway Pants. <laughs> Which was so fun. But, um, yeah, it's been very fascinating to see the different things people bring to the table. From rock and roll vibes, uh-huh. a touch of country, to just whatever the hell they're feeling. And I think the biggest way to describe it is it's going to be fierce no matter what. That's true. That's true. I always uh, tell people... The, another vibe of the Roadhouse is to dress for your mugshot. I love that. Dress for your mugshot. It's perfect. And you, you know you're going to have a good time. Uh, thinking about you in this moment, a lot of people who do know Girl Haggard have a sense of, you know, from the vibe you project to the world, they think they know a little bit about you, but I think that there's a whole lot more... <laughs> 
to be revealed. <laughs> the Vault of Secrets. But <laughs> but I want to dive into your origin story, which I feel like there's many directions the origin story could go in. I'm very interested that you and Desiree Carlo <laughs> reveal to my human life as my origin story. <laughs> Not many people know that you were delivered by an actual clown in Peru, Indiana, which is known as a circus hub. Yes, that is true. That is not... I know that it sounds outlandish, but it's actually true. I, uh, you know, born... Uh, my birthday's coming up a lot. January 27th. Yeah. Uh, I was born in, on January 27th in the middle of the winter. Uh, it was 1985, so I feel like they were always just wildly guessing when you would be due... And apparently I came early um, for all the predictions that they had. So my mom's doctor was away on a ski vacation, which sounds like an 80s sitcom. And I was delivered by the town, uh, the the clown doctor in town. Um, he was not dressed as a clown. I need to be specific. <laughs> he was not dressed as a clown. But he was such a popular clown uh character in our hometown that when he did pass away his obituary was for him as a clown and not as his government name which i love but he was a delight and was always very kind to me my whole life and would give me extra candy in the circus parade i love it yeah and i also crashed my own baby shower which is yeah it's very appropriate i heard they were having a party in my honor yeah how Part- dare how dare i not attend. Party crasher from the beginning. Exactly. Girl haggard. So I want to hear about, um, I want the listeners to hear about um, where the name Girl Haggard came from. I'm also interested in letting listeners know um, how long you've been doing burlesque and a little bit about your burlesque journey. Oh, okay. Well, it kind of goes together. Again, come from a very small town. I was basically raised by my hippie grandparents on a dirt road in rural Indiana, in Miami County, Indiana. And it was... Great. It was absolutely great. But I was the only girl in the family. And as a result, my grandpa, who I was very, very close to, um, would always just call me girl. That was my name. When, what year was it? 2010? Maybe 2010. I had, um, oh, here's another origin story. I used to be married. I got married by Elvis in Las Vegas. But for this part of the story, you're going to hear about my divorce. (laughs) I had gotten divorced basically came back to Indianapolis. I had spent some time away and I came back to Indianapolis and had to start completely over. And I stumbled in to a local bar and there was a burlesque show going on. It was a Halloween show. I came barreling through the door and it turns out it was the Rocket Doll Review. It was their second Halloween show ever. I got real wild and met all of them and really created a scene in a good way, I guess, because they were all like, who's this fucking maniac? We like her. And uh, for their next show in November, they needed something delivered. They needed something delivered, like tables or something like that. And for some reason, I was the person they called. And when I arrived to drop all this stuff off, uh, they they asked me if I wanted to help out. And I was like, sure. And they told me, that I could be introduced however I wanted. And for some reason, without skipping a beat, I fired off the name Girl Haggard. And I remember Frenchie LaRouge looked at me and was like, were you, were you like sitting on that? And I was like, no, I don't know. And it just stuck. 
it stuck and I've been girl haggard ever since. I could not imagine changing my name and um, it eventually turned into hags. Uh, Patsy Blue Ribbon started calling me hags. That stuck too. It's very strange, but it was like it was my name all along. It, uh, it never took any adjustment. It's always been seamless. You can call me my government name. You can call me my stripper name. You can call me my burlesque name. It's all the same. And they all are kind of related and go together well. So it worked out really cool. But again, I'm a fan of Outlaw Country. I've always, I feel like people get the perception like, oh yeah, girl Haggard, you're a cow, you're a cowgirl. And I'm like, no, I'm an outlaw. Like that's what I always wanted to be. I mean, I love cowgirls, but I'm not a cowgirl. I always wanted to be an outlaw country singer. I wanted to be Waylon Jennings. I wanted to be Merle Haggard. Like roll me up and smoke me when I die. Let's oh, yeah. do this. That's the plan. <laughs> that's well, the plan. And I have to it, make a note that, uh, when we very first connected in a uh, later on, down the line, we'd already known each other, and we had our first email exchange. And yeah, we signed it Hags, and I made a, made a mental note, and I knew in my heart that I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to call this beautiful woman Hags until I get to know her better. <laughs> but now here we are. But here we are, and now you're always barking Hags, <laughs> Hags. It rolls off the tongue. Sure does. Guys. More straight out of the throat. Which is right <laughs> from the bottom of your feet. Because you work in the club. You also do burlesque. Yes. Um, and, of course, you produce Hags Roadhouse. I want to hear your thoughts about the intersection of club dancing and burlesque. Because I know that that infusion is a large part, um, as a whole, a large part of who you are as an entertainer. It's not one and then the other, but they mm -hmm. come together as a special kind of shakeup. That's the entertainment you put on stage. And there's a lot that has been said about those two worlds and their intersection. And I want to hear you talk about it a little bit. I, um, it kind of happened organically for me, but I'm happy it happened this way. I like to let things unfold general, generally in my life in for art in anything. I like to see how something will naturally grow. Um, I have been doing burlesque in October of 2019, uh, which we're coming up on fast. I'll have been doing burlesque for seven years. And in January of 2020, I'll have been a stripper for five years. So I started burlesque first. Um, like I told, like I said earlier, I come from a really small town. I come from a small town. I come from, um, kind of a wild family, like just, just wild small town folks and uh, the only thing there was to do was to go out to a bar. And I'm not talking like a fancy bar. Like, I'm talking like a shithole bar. I feel like I held on to that feeling of atmosphere my whole life. And it brought me into the nightlife, which I'm very into. I'm very into the nightlife. I'm very into night people. I'm into that sort of entertainment. Like, I like that you can go to a road, you can go to a roadhouse, you can go to some seedy bar, and you never know who you're going to meet. And both of these art forms for me, stripping and burlesque, are rooted in that same feeling to me. The kind of burlesque that I like to do myself is based in that feeling of like a Nighthawk connection. Like, who are you going to run into out here? Who's going to stumble in and see you on stage? Who's going to like, you know, what connections are you going to make? And for me, burlesque and stripping is the same in that regard. I am a naked lady. I'm a vision you see at night. 
I'm lit by neon lights and I'm here to entertain you and I'm here to have a connection with you. I don't know. It's just that feeling of like at nighttime, anything could happen. And I love that about both avenues of taking off your clothes. Well, and I love the direction you went with that in this moment because you and I talk a lot about um, how much we value the energy exchange yes. in the entertainment world. And so uh, I love that sense of of all the different things that you could discuss when it comes to uh, different types of entertainment. Really what it distills down to is that energy with yourself, with the folks that you're entertaining, yeah. how you're interacting. And uh, yeah, I'm super into that. Yeah, I'm not... I mean, I've just accepted in my life um, because all, I feel like all ways of human connection, all ways of stripping and all ways of burlesque are valid. Like there's a thousand ways to do this and that's another reason that I love it. But I am definitely not a dinner show gr- dinner show gal. I'm the gal you're running at 2.30 in the morning. Like maybe you just got out of prison. Maybe you just got out of the hospital. I don't know. I don't know. Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah, you're here to put a smile on their face. I'm here. I'll make you remember me. Like, that's for sure. Well, and something I think this provides a really awesome segue because um, something I want to talk about is, uh, you know, over these years, especially uh, with you being a part of L'Exotica Lounge Cabaret and taking on a hosting role, which has blossomed into a broader sense with you hosting more events, it's been super fun to watch you just grow into an incredibly engaging, compelling host. Oh, thank you. And... uh, you know, I find that you're a natural at it, but I know that you've studied. But something that I find interesting that uh, I've become aware of spending time with you on the road is that I think that your skills with club work and the way that, you know, people don't always realize how much it's about talking and engaging and having those personal oh, yeah. moments, not just on stage or, oh, you know, yeah. doing a lap dance. But I think that a large part of your hosting skills are derived from your experience in the club. So I want to talk to you about, you know, what your philosophy is about hosting, because it is so important when it comes to entertainment in all its forms, um, and it can really guide the way the show moves. So I want to hear about your philosophy on that. And also that connection from talking to folks in the club yeah. and how it translates to the stage. Yeah. Um, I certainly am no expert in hosting, but it is something that I've really grown to enjoy and it's something that I love to study because you have to study it in the moment. And I'm a person I like, again, like earlier I mentioned, I like to let things blossom. I like to see how things unfold. And working in a club is basically 30 to 35 hours a week of improv hosting your own party. Um, I have to make people feel welcome. I have to steer people who might be a little too drunk, might be having the worst day. I have to steer people into having a good time. That's my responsibility. Um, And I feel like that's my responsibility as a burlesque dancer too. Like I'm here to dazzle you, but I'm also to help steer you into having a good time. I'm your guide. I'm your guide. I'm your guide through the night, man. At 2.30, I'm going to show you how to have a good time. We're going to leave it all behind. But I find that working in the club is kind of... Like you said, like we were saying, it's an improv motion. It's an improv moment and you just have to do your best. And sometimes you fail and sometimes you just have to get up and walk away (laughs) on stage. You can't do that though. You can't do that on stage. I can't just be like, well, I'll see y'all later. (laughs) That didn't land. (laughs) That didn't land. I'm going to go. I'll be at the bar. Like I'll see y'all later. But I will say that when I started, um, hosting, 
I asked my good friend who, uh, Dorgan Muncie, who is a clown who hosts a lot of things at our beautiful White Rabbit Cabaret. And honestly, I wouldn't be anywhere without them. And, uh, but he is a wonderful host and he has his own style and he can guide, he can lead a room. And I remember asking him, God, there's a lot of clowns in this story, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I asked another clown too. I asked two clowns actually and was like, what is my, like, how, how should I MC? Because I was very nervous about it. And I remember Dorgan like pulled me aside and he's a, he's a strong energy and in a very, like touching moment of kindness and like mentoring kind of it was like just be yourself and I remember the time I was like man fuck you just be yourself that's the most stupid kumbaya like advice I've ever heard but I'll tell you what it works it works people aren't interested I mean not with me anyway people aren't interested in me putting on a show they're interested in me just helping out like I'm here I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to make you have a good time. Maybe it'll land. Maybe it won't. The way that your experience in the club infuses uh, your hosting style and and really bolsters it um, is, you know, like when we're doing audience participation games, um, you never know what someone's going to say. No, you don't. And having to be ready in the moment, just like you might be with a guest in the club where someone says something. And maybe it's a little wild, but you have to control the scenario. You do. You have to somehow morph that into entertainment. And let me tell you, I love people. I am a people person. But some of y'all are batshit crazy. (laughs) And I'm like, why would you say this on stage? Well, and I love, too, the challenge as a little tangent about audience participation where it is such a wild card. For one, you have to choose a mark well, and you don't always do it correctly. No, you could only do your best. Right? The universal <laughs> you. Sometimes you're like, that yeah. was not the person. <laughs> we're, we're going down fast in flames. We're going down in flames, folks. Oh. But, you know, that I think that's part of the magic of what you and I both really love about showbiz is you never know oh, what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be any fun if it was predictable. Doesn't this go back to how you met me? And <laughs> we're going to go back to Miss A and I's origin story. Ooh, my favorite this story. Is, <laughs> this is a nice segue because we're talking about showbiz and how you literally, our favorite thing about showbiz is that you never know what's going to happen and you have to build a success out of whatever you are given. And um, I feel like that's just because we both secretly love to suffer. <laughs> Well, that's actually <laughs> the most perfect segue because I want to talk about tour. Tour. And oh, I love to suffer. If I remember correctly, I was like, hey, gal. So how much do you like to suffer? That's you want- actually that everything she's saying, guys, I don't know if you can hear that, is how we met. She sent me an email and was like, hey, I have this idea for a touring show and you look like a road dog who knows how to suffer. And I remember reading it and she was just some stranger on the internet to me. And I was we like, kind of knew each other. We kind of knew each other. We were, we were like internet friends that were like, you look cute. No, you look cute. And she just sends me this wild email one day. I could tell you exactly where I was reading it. I was in my car in a parking lot and I read that line and I was like, you know what? I do love to suffer. <laughs> And I am a road dog. And I was like, sign me up. Let's go. Hoo-wee, hoo-wee. Oh, my God. 
I love it. I'm so glad that you've been on this journey with me. Um, hey, thank you. And and journeys are coming up. So I want to talk about tour. Oh, here we go. Oh my gosh. You know, because I toured a lot and I was like, come on into the fold. Yeah. And we were starting Luxottica and you were a perfect fit. And it's so interesting when I think about how, because we knew each other, but not that well. And I feel like it was fate that brought us together in this oh, totally. way. Because when I think back on how I settled on being like, she's the one, I have no idea. I don't know what led me to no, that. No, I've always wondered that. I'm not sure. It was the stars were aligned, but you know, I what I'm curious about is what you thought, what your ideas of what touring were like before. Because I know you're a little bit realistic. You know, it's not yeah. like oh, it's all glamour. But I want to know what you thought tour would have would be like before you ever had toured. And then I want to hear a little bit about how you feel about tour today, and how would you describe it as an experience and a journey. This is going to sound strange. I feel like my whole life, I always vaguely knew I'd be like a road dog. Like, it always appealed to me. I always went on road trips. I always wanted to be out there. Like, out there doing something. And like I said, I feel like that also comes from being like a small town art kid. Like, I came from a really small town. I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to go somewhere else. But I also value Indiana. Like, I value where I grew up and everything. Um, So I feel like in my heart of hearts, I always knew this day would come. But I never knew how. When you suggested joining Luxottica, I will remember, I do remember, there was a moment where I was like, man, am I being crazy? Like, is this something crazy? And you told me shortly thereafter, you were like, well, I... The original setup with Luxottica was that there would be two dancers besides you, the producer, and that me and the other dancer would kind of split the shifts. We would split the tour time. And I remember being like, oh man, am I cut out for this? Like, do I want to do this? Do I want to take this chance? And then when you told me that there could potentially be two of us and we split time, I was like, oh, well, why? In my head, I was like, oh, so why don't I get all the time? (laughs) And I was like, okay, that means you're ready. So I dove in. I would say fairly realistic. I wasn't surprised, but I didn't realize the emotional toll, if that makes sense. Sure does. I didn't realize the emotional toll because I feel like I'm a pretty balanced person. I'm not a stranger to having a job and working with people. I've always had jobs where I've worked with people. I'm very much an, very much an extrovert. Like, I... But I didn't realize how much it would take out of me. And that just took balance. That just took kind of leaning all in and learning how to balance the momentum. Because I have a great time on tour, but I I also realized that 21 days is my limit. Like, 21, I can be in it and on it for 21 days, but day 22, I can go no further. <laughs> I can go no further. Like, my time is done. Um, I would say the difference, like just having, uh, you know, experience this journey with you, having, you know, and being with you made it a lot easier because you're a seasoned pro at being on the road. Um, so that did make it easier. Over time, I've learned how to balance the give and take of energy out on the road so I don't come home and like crash. Right. Because that was my problem. The first couple of years we did this, I would come home and like bottom out. Because I gave all my energy away, and then there was nothing left for me. Yeah. But, you know, over time, like, now I just... Figure it out. I step into it, and I step right out of it. And, I mean, I will say, you know, um, 
I think that's something that will never change about coming home is you're used to being close quarters with people 24-7. Yep. And unless you are in a bathroom, which even then, because even you and I are then, so close. Yeah, you and I are just in there. <laughs> We're always up in each other's business, which works out well because uh, we have a great relationship. But yes. that coming home... You have all this space in a house. You're like, where are all the And you're people? not necessarily ready for it. Right. Because suddenly it's kind of the shakeup of like, oh, no. Or, you know, the thing that I always think is a funny moment about coming back from tour where you go into a gas station and you start wandering around being like, what do I need? What do I need? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or I'll be like working. You know, I'm home and I'm here with my friends and I'll go to like go to somebody's house and I'll be like okay, do I have my toothbrush? Do I have my makeup? And I'm like, I don't need any of this. Like, I'm constantly checking my belongings. Like, one, two, three, three bags. Okay, I got everything. Don't leave your shoes behind. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm just going through these checklists in my head all the time about having what I need. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, the free thing about being on the road is, like, you'll get it. Right, and it's not like we're going where there's no stores. No, you'll be fine. (laughs) It's going to be all right. You need very little, which I really love. And that's something that, you know, has always resonated with me with touring is how much, how little you need. How little you actually need to be successful. Yeah. That's my, actually, man, that's my favorite thing about burlesque and being like a traveling, I'm using air quotes here, a traveling fancy lady is that, you know, that was my favorite like listening to legends tell stories, it's always my favorite stories where they talk about like just rolling into town with a bag of quarters and you start cold calling. Right. You're like, I have my outfit, I have my music, and that's what I love about tour. Like people think we roll into town and we're, you know, and you know, we're like not some prop heavy like sparkle show, but right. we're a fancy show. Like, yeah, like we have fancy costumes, we have live music, and I just love when we pull up and we literally tumble out of that van like little dust clouds. And then we're like, well, I guess we have to go entertain the people. (laughs) You glue some eyelashes on my face. I'm fancy now. I am fancy. Like One of my favorite things telling strangers in the street about our show is like, we promise we clean up real good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you're like, I look like a maniac. But, but I love it. We're going to give you a little razzle and a whole lot of dazzle. Yeah. Um, well, also along those lines of, you know, thinking about, you know, rolling into town with a fistful of quarters is that um, I always think of, because I love reading about the history of entertainment in all its forms. And, you know, there was a time when there'd be a, like the traveling tramps, you know, with their like little oh, wagon. The wag- oh, this is my favorite. This is how I always envisioned. I'm never afraid about the end of the world, guys, because this is what I picture. Right. But the thing is, back then, you'd be rolling through town, but there weren't even that many towns. No. You'd be traveling the country and there were no cities to even go to. No. And you're you're like, just out there hoping for the best. And you're like, maybe there'll be a town this way, you know? And uh, so... Yeah, I think just diving in and just, I don't know, I think the the pure distillation of what entertainment is in all of its forms, I think, really unites us, you know, and yeah. just that, oh, it's just, it's wild, and you never know what's next, and I wouldn't have it any other way, and I'm so glad I get to do it with you. I know, I'm so glad I get to do it with you. Which is so exciting. How did we manage that? <laughs> I feel like we're hitting on a lot of points, like our favorite things about showbiz our favorite things about burlesque our favorite things about live entertainment and just on the subject of talking about like just rolling into town where no one knows you i love that feeling i love getting to introduce myself to people for the first time and i love meeting people for the first time because you never know how it's going to turn out you never know i like meeting you for the first time 
I never had any idea. I met, uh, for the sake of our listeners, I met um, the Vivacious Miss Audacious was in a traveling show that would come through Indianapolis, Indiana, like twice a year. And um, they would often perform at the White Rabbit Cabaret. I was not as involved in burlesque at the time, but was a ghost of the White Rabbit Cabaret. They couldn't get rid of me, and it was because I wanted to be all their friends, and look where we are now. I've I've pushed my way into the door. (laughs) They'll never get rid of me. But I remember um, being at a show and, like, helping out or something, and I met her in the dressing room, and not to be... This isn't intended as, like, a dig or anything, but she's the person that I always remembered the most. And it wasn't like we had this moment where we were like, we're going to be best friends. We were just always, like, looking at each other from across the room, like, you're cool. Like, I like your vibe. Like, I like your vibe. And we became friends on the internet. And I remember, um, you know, just, like, casual back and forths. But that connection. You know what I mean? That was so cool. And I was a member of the audience then. And the first time I met you. And then over the times that you kept revisiting, I I became a performer. And I do remember the first time I saw you. Because I feel like... Was I performing or in the audience? Well, the first time I saw you perform. Oh, okay. Yes. Because, yes, we had had that interaction. Yeah. Just a casual interaction. But I remember watching you with your wolf... Act. Dog? Oh, black dog. Black dog. Black dog. And you had this amazing costume and you had this move where you licked your hand and I was like, that bitch. <laughs> she <laughs> I looks was like, like she likes to suffer. Who is she? <laughs> Who is she? And from that moment on I was smitten. I'm like, <laughs> okay. We're gonna build a future together. But um but little did we know. Um which is, yeah, and I just love the star-crossed element of showbiz. And also, when you talk about traveling and never know who you're going to meet, also, yeah. that happens a lot, not only with the random folks who are entertaining, but that network of people that the more you get out into the world, you meet other entertainers. And it's just such a special thing where I love that you never know who you're going to run into where. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's that friend that you didn't know is going to be important in your life later. Exactly. And sometimes it's just someone that you meet for five minutes and they tell you something that you'll never forget. Absolutely. I just love the magic of humanity, man. Mm -hmm. Like, in being out there, I feel like performance art, like, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's dancing, I feel like those are the purest forms to get to meet people like that. And I think that's actually how I got into burlesque is that... I always wanted to be a rock and roller, but I wanted to be a sense, um, in the sense of like when they all just used to pile in a car and you had your record and you'd walk up to the radio station and be like, Hey, you want to hear my voice? (laughs) And something about that era has always, I mean, really that feeling is what permeates Everything I create, the roadhouse, Mm -hmm. being on the road, meeting you, like just that moment, what's, I can't think of the word. It's like that serendipitous moment where you know you're right where you're supposed to be. And I feel like that happens as for performers. And I feel like we give that to audience members. Absolutely. And they give it to us. Right. Um, But yeah, like that, that overall, that old like cold call in rock and roll feeling. Hey, give me a job. Give me a job. (laughs) I'm here. And it works. Sure does. It works. And I feel like this is one of um, the last jobs that you can still have that feeling. Yeah. I think you got... Because even if you think about um, 
certain types. Like, say, if you're a rock and roller, but you're so big, well, somebody else is figuring it all out and everything's yeah, planned. Yeah, yeah, things get delegated. You know, but I think in, 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 like, the job that we have, what's so cool about it is that you get to totally control every aspect. I mean, obviously, there's variables that you can't control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that idea of, you know, when you say, like, yes, like, roll up, give me a job, you know, or I think about... And I know you and I have talked about this before, but if I have conversations with like lay people about like circusy things or burlesque and they're like, oh, Cirque du Soleil, Vegas. And you're like, well, kind of. Yeah. But the type of work we do, sure, it's not, we're not Vegas showgirls, but that means we can do this till we fucking die. Yeah. There's no, no one telling us we're too old. No one can tell me when to start. No one can tell me when to stop. Overall tagline of the Roadhouse is that you can plot your own destiny. Yes. That's what we like about showbiz. That's what we like about the days of your in rock and roll. Like, you can plot your own destiny. You can choose who you work with. You can choose what you want to put out into the world. You can choose the connections you can make. You can choose the path you take. It's wonderful. Yeah. And you can choose to wear a costume that fits in a tiny Ziploc baggie and call it a day. Yeah. You can choose to wear a googly eye. Yeah. Just That's one. your whole costume. Just one googly eye. I've been working my way up to it. Yeah, we're getting there. One, <laughs> one sequin. Stay tuned for next time with Girl Haggard with one googly eye. Costuming with Girl Haggard. Strategically placed. One sequin. What's next for Girl Haggard? Well, I honestly, um, I would like to do more traveling. Yeah. Kind of to go back to talking about being on the road. Like I always, I wasn't surprised when this became my life. It was, it's like everything in my life fell into place to allow me the freedom to travel like this. And, um, I didn't realize that I have subconsciously been doing it my whole life, like making this so I could be setting myself up for success. I didn't even know. I would say I would like to travel more. I want to travel more. I want to, um, travel more both as a club stripper and as a burlesque dancer. I want to kind of build my own circuit. I want to, um, perform out on the West coast and just like have a good time. I would like to do more. Um, I'm an art kid. I mean, you can, I don't hide it very well. Uh, I would like to start doing some other media, but that's still kind of rooted in burlesque. Like I want to make a smut zine. I want to make, I want to do spoken word. Like I want to, I don't know. I just want to make some noise. It'll be fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, as we follow you along that journey and see all your cool things unfold, where can we find you online? Well, I uh, I value online, but... Um, but you have a website. I do have a website. It's girlhaggard.com. And then I shout into the void on Twitter. I, I warn you that uh, you're just going to get me being me out there. <laughs> well, that's what we came here for. So sometimes you're just going to see my big makeupless egghead, but I mean... You all can, you're, you're big, you're They grown. can handle it. You can handle it. Thank you so much for spending time uh, chatting with me. I'm so excited. Yeah. And if anybody out there, uh, listeners in the ether, I am very friendly. If you're moved to send me a message, do it. Yeah. Don't ever be afraid to approach me. Like, I love people. I love people. So <laughs> just hit me. Hit me with whatever. Floodgates are opening. The floodgates are open. All right. Well, this has been the latest edition of The Pacey Tapes with your guest interviewer, Vivacious Miss Audacious, and my dearest friend, Girl Haggard. Yeah. We're uh, coming to you live from Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're over now. You have to sign off, though, by saying hags, though.
Oh, for yeah. our people. <laughs> hags! You want a bong rip, hags? That's it, folks. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks again, Vivacious Miss Audacious and Girl Haggard. As Hags mentioned, you can find her on her website, you can find her on her OnlyFans, and you can find her on Twitter. You can see her live and in person at her home club, Brad's Brass Flamingo, usually working the third shift, or as she said, or any other club in America with other wild naked women of the night. Love you so much, Hags. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pacey Tapes. Special thanks to Ophelia Flame and the Twin Cities Burlesque Academy for contributing to the Nuts and Bolts Fund of this podcast. Do you want to help keep this podcast going? Make like Ophelia Flame and the Twin Cities Burlesque Academy and send me an email at thepaceytapes at gmail.com to receive a sponsorship deck. I have a ton of great things cooking up. Join the Pacey Tapes fan club at thepaceytapes.com to get extra content, early sneak peeks, and special merch just for showing your love. Visit thepaceytapes.com now. Love always to our current members of the fan club. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Pacey Tapes. If you see me in Indianapolis, please, please, please stop me and say hello and share your thoughts on Burlesque Bonanza. Thanks again to Front Row Paul for making that happen. And you can follow the Pacey Tapes at the Pacey Tapes across the internet. I'm your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, Show My Four, and you can find me at Show My More online or on my website to see where I'll be performing next. Thanks again, and I will chat with you soon. You have been listening to the Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening, and see you later, ducklings.